Hello, Prestige Heads, and welcome to American Prestige. I'm Danny Bessner, here as always with my friend and comrade Derek Davison. And we're very excited to welcome to the podcast today, Noor Odeh, who is a Palestinian political analyst coming to us from Ramallah. Noor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, so we'd like to talk about your opinion on how this war is being covered in Western media, in Arab language media, really in whatever direction you want to take it to give our listeners an understanding of the different ways the sides, to say the least, are covered in this conflict. Right. Well, I mean, the the um, there are very uh, different uh, approaches to how this uh, um, this is playing out in the media. Uh, even in Arabic media, it's not a monolith. So um, let's start with the Western media. There, are, I think um, one thing that we can say regrettably is that mainstream media had took on the same line, same talking points, um, a, a very, um, in my opinion, superficial yes. treatment of the events, events that start, um, you know, there's a cutoff point on when this, starts not really giving context and not really looking to kind of dig deeper uh, uh, beyond uh, the the headlines and beyond what everybody's comfortable saying. So there were a lot of cliches, I think, but most concerning for me was the hyper-Islamophobic, hyper-anti-Palestinian dehumanization that I've seen. Um, and I understand that every editorial policy you know, is different. And I understand that you can be pro this side or the other, but I, I think one thing that everybody should have learned after 9-11 and the dehumanization that happened uh, following 9-11 is that it should never happen again. No matter how strongly you feel about anything, uh, you shouldn't, you know, dehumanize an entire people or entire religion because you're upset uh, about an event, no matter how horrible it is. But I'm, you know, it, it's it's disheartening to see that happening, to be honest with you. So what does that suggest about the role that Muslims or Islam writ large play in the Western media? Is this just ultimately these are capitalist media organizations aligned with the empire and its prerogatives and the Muslim serves as the other and an empire is going to be an empire? Yeah, it's the boogeyman. It's the, you know, the go-to boogeyman, right? Um, so if uh, something horrible happens, it can be explained by a culture of hate. If, uh, you know, a, a politician is not to our liking, then we can say the, that he or she ascribes to all these horrible made-up uh, uh, beliefs. Um, and I think, you know, I understand that it, it sells. Uh, obviously, it wouldn't sell. It wouldn't be there if it didn't sell on mainstream media. But I just I, I see it as, as such a disservice because it it really uh, neuters the conversation. There's nowhere to go beyond you know either pushing back against this condescending tone or this uh, insistence on having any Muslim or Palestinian guest first and foremost prove that they're on the good side before they're allowed to offer their opinion or their context. Um, it just, it's a waste of time and, and it really um, deforms the conversation. No, I wonder, I, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've been watching televised media and, and, you know, all sorts of coverage of this more closely than either of us have. Uh, what is your sense of whether 
just sort of straight news anchors. I'm not talking about, you know, commentary shows, uh, opinion mm-hmm. shows, that kind of thing, but just sort of the straight news reporting has been taking into account the context in which what's happened happened. The, the, the 56 year occupation, the displacement before that, uh, the blockade of Gaza most immediately. To what extent are people actually talking about that or, or at all? And, and, you know, I don't mean guests bringing it up, like saying, oh, by the mm-hmm. way, you should be talking about this. To what extent is it is it coming out of these media outlets kind of just naturally versus, you know, pretending that this all started on Saturday? Very little, uh, very little. I think you have some of the more seasoned uh, um, uh, uh, reporters, some of the more informed presenters might bring it up in one of, uh, you know, their shows or their segments, um, um, knowing and expecting that they will be confronted with heat, right, uh, after they get off the air. But generally, no, the c- context is not provided. It's not woven into the, the, the story. So everybody thinks that out of the blue, these evil monsters came out of nowhere and decided to commit an atrocity for absolutely no reason, right? These are evildoers, or what is it that Biden said yesterday? It's just, you know, it's oversimplistic, and, and um, it maintains that that us versus them, that, you know, good guy, bad guy paradigm, uh, and, and it doesn't allow the audience to understand exactly really what's going on. Do you think that's because, I mean, to be frank, the American empire doesn't want the audience to understand what's going on. American elites don't want the audience to understand what's going on because this is a nation that prides itself on being anti-colonial and prides itself on being, uh, uh, you know, the city on a hill, this fount of freedom. And uh, it's, it's difficult to maintain that position when you look at the actual policies. So I, I was just, curious, is there any real effort at reform or is the reform, okay, overthrow capitalism and overthrow the empire? And until then, we're going to have an other that's a boogeyman that the United States is going to point to as an enemy, just like it has had various enemies from the Soviet Mm -hmm. Union to Islam to China over the course of its history. Is there any hope here? Mm. No, uh, There's always hope. Uh, And you're talking to a Palestinian. So by virtue of nationality, I'm not allowed not to have hope. That comes with the manual when you're born. So we have to have hope and find it somewhere. Uh, but look, um, I, I think that in the meantime, and until a real reform or overhaul of uh, policy and approach is achieved, um, we have to keep talking. You have to keep pushing back. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm a guest on on many many shows and news. Uh, um, bulletins and i make it a point to you know not play not toe the line um and to to really give the audience the right to to understand where i'm coming from and to, and, and and what i'm trying to say and contrast that with with the kind of questions that are being posed it's not easy and really sometimes especially when when you know things are happening when atrocities are being committed as they are now, it's exhausting uh, to kind of, uh, main, you know, keep your head up and, 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 uh, and remain calm and, and not kind of just pull your hair and say, what are you doing? What are you saying? Why are you doing this? And this is costing lives. 
but I think it's important because it does get across. It does get through to people and, 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 and people want to be informed, I think, overall. And when you provide them even with a, with a, a little bit of that, um, they, might, they just might pursue uh, uh, um, more information and, and might pursue being more informed. Of course, that's very inconvenient, right, for the mainstream. Uh, but that's the point of it all, isn't it? I wonder, Nora, if you could talk a little bit about something you, uh, a little bit more about something you alluded to earlier, which is this um, need, this like fundamental need every time uh, a, a Palestinian or somebody who's uh, supposed to represent the Palestinian perspective uh, comes on a, a news program in a situation like this, they're expected to do uh, some ritual denouncement of whatever happened mm -hmm. to prove that they're, you know, they're one of the good ones and it's okay to have them on TV. That That's never asked of the alternative viewpoint. Nobody's ever asked to, when you have an Israeli defense minister talking about human animals in Gaza and, uh, you know, charitably, I guess we can say he's talking about Hamas and not everybody in Gaza, uh, but the context is that, rooting out Hamas is going to mean killing thousands and thousands of people yeah. who have nothing to do with Hamas. Uh, you know, when they talk about we're imposed, we're not going to allow food into Gaza. We're not going to allow electricity into Gaza. We're not going to allow fuel into the basic things that people need to live. Nobody's ever asked when they come on a, a program sort of, you know, to, to articulate the, the Israeli view or the mainstream U.S. view to denounce that, what do you what do you sort of make of that disparity, uh, and and what is it like watching as somebody who uh, you know has a has a personal stake in uh, all of this? What's it like watching that? Well, you know, I was talking to uh, my friend uh, today about just that, and uh, she reminded me um, that you know racism racism is sometimes so embedded you don't notice it, right? The you know it's the prejudice that that you you're so comfortable with that you don't realize it's still there, and I think that explains in many ways um, the fact that a lot of the people who ask these questions don't realize just how wrong and how wrong it is, and that they literally turn into bullies <clears throat> on the air uh, when they do that. Um, my fr my, you know, my friend um, in Gaza, who's a mother of of uh, you know, young children uh, uh, make you know, does interviews all the time, and she was telling me that the first question she's asked is whether she feels sympathy for uh, um, for the other side. And I understand, you know, posing that question in a general context when there are no bombs raining down on the woman you're talking to, but as this woman is sheltering, making time to talk to you and to your audience without electricity, it's a bit much, right? To, to, to ask her whether she sympathizes with her occupier um, or, or whether she's had enough time to process what happened um, and, and to, to have an intellectual conversation about it and to, to, to express uh, uh, any kind of emotion towards anything except the survival that she's trying to have. It's just, I was... I was shocked. I thought, you know, it was just the talking heads like us who were being asked. I didn't, I didn't imagine that even those under bombardment in Gaza were being grilled like that. I, it made me angry. It's almost like they, they want a, 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 a victim to enact a more noble humanity. 
it's very strange in, in, in sort of the worst possible conditions that most people wouldn't be thinking about, um, you know, the other side during a war. It's just the way it is. Um, it's very strange and, and very much a double standard. But before um, we let you go, I was just curious, what is what is it like on the ground in Ramallah? Um, is there anything you could let us know about how, I mean, it's so broad to say the Palestinian people, but just how people are reacting to this war, how people are reacting to Israel's response? We'd love to hear anything you have to say. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of anger um, um, in, in the West Bank. Uh, in all West Bank cities, because people feel utterly helpless. And, you know, we have to remember that Palestinians in Gaza are our brethren, right? So, uh, you know, all of us know someone there or have family in Gaza. This is personal for every Palestinian. It's not, you know, something that you feel uh, is distant. It's 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 uh, striking right at the heart and soul of everybody. Um, so there are protests in the street. There are, uh, there is a lot of tension about, uh, you know, the sense of the inability to even offer assistance. The crossings are, are closed. Usually when these kinds of uh, attacks happen, you have uh, uh, the injured coming to be treated in hospitals in the West Bank and people kind of flood the hospitals and provide them with you know, assistance, they, they care for them, they give them uh, support and, and so on. A lot of the kids uh, travel alone because their parents aren't allowed to travel with them and they're treated from severe injuries on their own and people spend and dedicate their time. Now even that uh, is not available. Um, and, and there's also the, the ever-present danger of Israeli settlers uh, who continue to escalate their attacks just a little while before uh, getting on our conversation, three Palestinians were killed by Israeli settlers uh, to the north of Ramallah uh, in an attack that was protected by Israeli soldiers as per usual. Uh, and, but all of these headlines, of course, are going to be lost in 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 the uh, in all the fury of the news. Uh, but that's you know that reality looms large for Palestinians here, and it's really part of the bigger context of what is going on and why uh, Palestinians generally feel so fed up and, and frustrated and um, they feel the need to um, break out, if you will. No, I wanted to ask, and, um, you know, I, I, if you've been kind of tracking the response to these events across Arab media, and Arab media mm. is a very diverse thing, uh, and Often, a lot of it is, um, you know, how should we say, uh, toes the government line for of whatever yeah. government happens to be uh, in power in that particular country. Uh, so I wonder if there's any tendencies that you've noticed, um, you know, any uh, consistencies in the way that Arabic language stations or outlets are uh, are treating this, or any sort of differences from one one place to another. Well, look, what's happening is embarrassing for Arab regimes on so many levels. Uh, on the one hand, uh, Israel defeated all of the Arab armies in less than six days. Uh, and uh, and they basically, uh, ever since that defeat in 1967, have done very little to kind of restore their uh, their honor, if you will. Uh, the 1973 uh, war, uh, Egypt... Uh, came out on top with the with you know the the uh, 
at least in part of that battle. And that's the only thing that Arab regimes have to uh, uh, hold on to. And right now you have these groups who are outlawed by Arab regimes launching attacks against the Israeli army. And that's really where the focus of most of the coverage is, that these fighters in sneakers were able to punch the Israeli army in the gut. And all of you put together Arab armies with all the money, with your weapons rotting and melting in, in stores, you know, you're just allowing Israel to trample all over you and you're, you're uh, you know, cooperating with Israel and at the expense of Palestinian rights. So there's, a, I think, a lot of concern and you see that in, in the coverage of some of the stations. So nobody can really cover what's going on without being, you know, first and foremost pro-Palestinian and in solidarity with what's happening in Gaza. But then you see the nuance, right? The fact that some uh, stations um, bring on Israeli, even security officials, and give them free reign to say whatever they want, or bring on Israeli guests who attack uh, and demonize uh, Hamas and so on. Um, and uh, um, and then others who focus on the Palestinian uh, perspective and, and keep poking uh, other Arab regimes in the eye. So it's very... Um, it's very nuanced. It's it, it's interesting to watch because I do think that what is happening right now on a more strategic, you know, long term uh, uh, level will impact, will have impact well beyond the borders of Israel Palestine. Uh, Arab youths who are unhappy and rightly so with their governments uh, are watching. They see what is going on and they see that their governments are, have done nothing, and. Um, and continue to act as if they can do nothing, right? Even those countries that have money that can uh, yield influence, they're not using it uh, um, to stop the war. They're not using it to curb Israeli uh, violence or to end the occupation. So the coverage is extensive. It's nonstop. But um, that's the difference is, is in the nuance. How much of the Israeli line can you slip into the coverage? That's basically... Uh, the key. So just final question, maybe just building on what you just said, what do you see the potential ramifications as being, or, or what should people who care about this topic and should be everyone pay attention to in the next few days, weeks, months? Look, I, I regrettably, I think the next few days um, and maybe even longer, um, the only thing we'll be able to focus on is just the sheer shock uh, of the enormity of suffering uh, that's uh, going to unfold in Gaza. They're, you know, the only electricity uh, uh, company has shut down now. There is nothing right now in Gaza, no electricity, four days worth of fuel in hospitals, no running water. Um, imagine that. And imagine that the U.S. has refused uh, 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 Egyptian efforts to have a six-hour ceasefire to provide uh, a chance for humanitarian uh, relief. Um, so we're heading towards something unprecedented and, and we're heading through a lot, a lot of painful images and stories. But after that, I think, um, and, and, and depending how things go, the, the lessons learned about uh, what the world does and how much it's willing to omit the Palestinians will not be lost on anyone. 
the lessons learned about Arab regimes and whether they're, you know, and their utility and their relevance will not be lost in Arab youth. And the, um, I would hope that the lesson learned uh, by uh, uh, some Israelis who I know uh, feel ashamed by the, the actions of their government, which is an extreme uh, racist, vile government, uh, will also be a wake-up call because there's been a lot of clowning in the Israeli political scene as well and no responsible statesmanship. Um, and without that, it's very difficult to imagine a different path, right? So long as the, you have this rise of the right and people who want to uh, eradicate Palestinians and, you know, uh, uh, raise Gaza to the sea and so on, um, without someone rising up and, 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 and proving responsible, it, it might just get even more violent than it already is. Noor Odeh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we'd look forward to having you back in a, a better, better time. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and please stay tuned for our subscribers-only news update. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Yes.